This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome, folks, to a live edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider live from Charlotte, North Carolina, site of the announcement of one Mr. Jaden Davis as he prepares to announce his decision between a final group of Michigan, Ohio State, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Clemson. And this has been a recruitment that has been long in the making, right? Michigan, uh, you know, entered this with force last spring, and it culminates in this decision today. Joining me to preview, to look ahead and talk about all the happenings in Michigan recruiting leading up to this announcement today is none other than Mr. Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you? Good, Sam. Yeah, it's been a long recruitment, but not like in the dramatic, crazy way, I think, that some people have maybe tried to build it out to be right. I mean, it, it kind of feels like it's been Michigan's to lose for a while. There's just been maybe a couple little tiny speed bumps in the road. But but otherwise, yeah, this should be a, a big day for Michigan, the staff, uh, the fans, and, and for the recruiting class. Yeah, we got some fans. Say, Good to see Steve on camera. It's the occasion, right, Steve? You got to be on camera for this occasion, right? I just have a crappy setup. Like, I have a bunch of, like, good, like, sports crap that I want to hang up on my wall, and I, I haven't never just taken the time to do it. And uh, we'll change. We'll get up here, though. I'll be up here now. So Yeah, so listen, uh, there's a lot of housekeeping to get out of the way. First of all, if you watch this podcast regularly, be sure to like it on on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you get a notification every time we do another video. Of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast page, like the podcast, rate it, review it, tell all your friends about it. That's how we keep it going and growing, of course, and where it all goes down. If you want to stay up to speed on the latest and greatest in team info and recruiting info and intel, accurate, reliable intel and info, the MichiganInsider.com is where you should be. And right now, running a 50% off annual special. People have been asking, hey, what are you going to do for the folks who are already subscribers, the, the monthlies that grind it out month after month with you guys? Well, this is the answer because it's open to new subscribers. The 50% off annual is also open to the monthly subscribers as well. So if you haven't subscribed, now's the time. If you currently subscribe, now's the time to upgrade to annual. But Steve, as I said, let's let's set the stage uh, for this decision today, this announcement today from Jay, for Jaden Davis. I first made it down here to Providence Day last spring, last late April, I think it was, came out watching these guys warm up. Very clear he's a top prospect. They're loaded with top prospects. You got Channing Goodwin at receiver. You got Jordan Ship at receiver. You got Davis Sanders, who is an unbelievable prospect, the number one prospect in 2025. And Jaden Davis, he hadn't been to Michigan yet, Steve, but he made that first visit to Michigan, I want to say early last May, and it's been a sprint for Michigan ever since. Yeah, I mean, this has been one of those kind of classic recruitments where I think the bigger question for Michigan almost the entire way throughout has been who is the biggest competitor, right? I mean, it, it you know, Clemson, 
has been kind of a constant. I know Tennessee was, but Tennessee just got a, a quarterback commitment, actually took Michigan State's top uh, quarterback target from them uh, earlier this week. North Carolina, the in-state school, and then, uh, yeah, and then Ohio State, who, you know, had Dylan Rayola committed, the five-star, the number one quarterback in the country. Uh, he decommitted and uh, had to go back and look, but Ryan Day was on a plane to Charlotte, I think, less than a week after that uh, winter dead period ended. Uh, so they made their run as well. Uh, but yeah, it really, it's really kind of felt like, you know, who, was anybody really going to step up and and be that really that second school next to Michigan, but uh, didn't really seem to happen. Hasn't seemed to happen. Right. I mean, I, I will be clear. I mean, we all have strong crystal balls in and I, the thing for me would be if it's not Michigan, who the heck uh, <laughs> would the pick be? Right. So, so yeah, so it's really been really a good recruiting job by Michigan throughout, you know, like you said, they lost, uh, they got rid of Matt Weiss, who was Davis's primary recruiter. Uh, Kirk Campbell has more than picked up the slack there. Uh, Jim's been heavily involved. Michigan's – Ron Bellamy is is in Charlotte quite a bit to recruit guys. So, I mean, it's it's been a, a really good all-around effort from Michigan. And, yeah, I don't know how much more they could have done to make him feel like a priority. They really haven't been recruiting – seriously recruiting another quarterback in the class for, like, months at this point, right? So, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they, they – it it's, feels like it's going to pay off for him. Yeah, and that's the source of much consternation, and unnecessarily so. Michigan played this recruitment perfectly. Uh, it was one of, you know, I think there was maybe some PTSD from the um, Dante Moore recruitment. Uh, but as I told people, you know, if you follow us over on the MichiganInsider.com, we've been keeping you abreast of the quarterback recruit, recruitment uh, more accurately than anyone every step of the way, where it's a different coach and a different approach to recruiting quarterbacks. So they were never going to be in position like they were last year, you know, going into the summer and even into the fall, you know, with one quarterback target, unless they could really see the the ball being moved in the manner in which it, were, it was being moved here. And so you think about all the visits that he made, talking about Jane Davis. First, it, it's it, the May visit. Then it's the barbecue at the big house. Then it's a couple of games, right, that he, he made it to. I think he's there was another time. I think he's been up to Michigan six or seven times in that mix. And you get a feel for where you are. And it was that last visit, Steve, the one on the 17th, where if you look at why it was an elongated timeline, you know, because this was originally looking like it was going to go down in December, but you had Harbaugh looking at Denver. And then you had Matt Weiss get fired. I, I don't know about you, but if if the coaches that I'm going to play for aren't certainly going to be there, I'm going to take a pause and take a look and see who is going to be there before I make a decision. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the head coach who is a quarterback's guy and then the quarterback's coach, the guy who's going to coach you the most on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Both those situations were in flux or appeared to potentially be in flux for a, for a period of time. Uh, Only makes sense for a kid who's ranked second in the country in quarter at the quarterback position, who's got everybody in the country would, would take a commitment from him uh, to want to make sure that things are still kosher with with the school that it feels like he prefers, right? So, you know, yeah, and again, it's only March. It's, it's not like this is like, you know, that's the other thing. It's not like this is taking like forever, forever. I know uh, some, you know, I know on, being on our board, there are some who, who feel like this has been kind of dragged out. But like, I mean, there's legitimate reasons in this case. And, and even then, this, to me, uh, a spring commitment, uh, March 31st, not really dragging it out, uh, in my opinion, you know? And so, yeah, Michigan has played this 
about as well as they could have. Um, Sharon Moore also, another one to add in there as, as somebody who's obviously, as the OC, has been heavily involved too. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, Michigan is uh, in line here to, to, to really make a big statement today. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. And a huge, huge look. The quarterback makes the, the class really go. You want to get some recruiting momentum in a class, get your quarterback on board, and get them on board early. And relatively speaking, this is early. Like you said, it's, it's March. So they played this. You know, I, I understand that you, you get a lot of hand-wringing, you get the, the impatience, but that was, that was misplaced in, in this recruitment. This dude, um, you know, you look at how hard he looked at Michigan and how, how much, think about this in the background, and you'll see how, how fruitful the efforts may wind up being. He's been talking to prospects every step of the way, Steve. I mean, you think about this. It didn't work out, but he was talking to Nick Harbour about Michigan. Uh, he was calling Nick Harbour about Michigan. I should tell you something, right, We that, that he was doing that. But let's let's talk about the domino effect. So, first of all, Michigan gets its quarterback. Where do you see that leading on the recruiting trail, Steve, from this point moving forward, both in the short term and in the long term as far as, you know, down the line? Uh, heading into next signing day. All right. So I, th- I think the big thing, I mean, two big things also, when you talk about like the timing and, and quote dragging it out, I mean, honestly, you think about it, it really might not have worked out better for Michigan than for him. The spring game is tomorrow. They have a bunch of prospects coming up. One of them is Andrew Sprague, the Kansas city four-star tackle, their top left tackle target. He's been their top left tackle target was not originally planning on coming to the spring. He he also visited, I think, earlier in the month, I want to say. It hasn't even been that long since he was on campus. Uh, was originally going to wait until an official visit, decides to come for the spring game. Uh, Got to think, you know, things are really starting to heat up there. I know Steve Wiltfong put in a crystal ball mm-hmm. for him yesterday. Uh, I would not be surprised if a few of us are not too far behind there right. with him being back up. But the other thing is, this will lead right into official visit season two. So, you know, you talk about uh, the visibility, that, that, that momentum, I guess, that you'd say is that, that Michigan could have coming out of this commitment will lead right into a period of time where they're going to be hosting uh, a lot of their top guys. So, yeah, Andrew Sprague definitely won. Blake Frazier, mm-hmm. offensive lineman out of Austin, Texas. We've talked about him a few times. The legacy, uh, he's another guy to watch. Uh, Jake Guarnera is the guy that, that uh, I think it feels more and more like he's their guy at center. Uh, I know Walt Claire Flynn out of Georgia is another one who actually has the direct connection to Jaden Davis too. Um, Brady Priestcorn, the in-state tight end. I mean, I kind of think of that photo that the one that went viral with Jordan Marshall, uh, Blake Frazier, Jaden Davis, and and Brady Priestcorn. And I, I kind of some parts of me wonder if that wasn't by design uh, that those four guys were the ones uh, posing for a picture together. You know, so. Those are a few names on the offensive side in particular. I know Michigan really still looks good with Amari and Stewart. Got to think he'd be the type of guy that Jaden Davis is going to be reaching out to and, and working on. And then obviously uh, his teammates in Channing Goodwin and Jordan Ship are two you know big wide receiver targets as well. Uh, the crystal ball is Michigan for Goodwin right now. No predictions for Ship. I feel like he's being a little more deliberate. I know in-state, I know North Carolina and North Carolina State still squarely in that one, uh, but also a guy that Michigan would really like. So 
Yeah, you talk about the we've talked about the offensive line recruiting really starting to heat up, but then you have two of his teammates, uh, Jaden Davis's teammates, are like the top targets at receiver, and then the in-state tight end who, honestly, Priestcorn's another one where it's kind of hard to figure out who yeah. the primary competition is. You know, Penn State I think was a school that was in there, but they just took a commitment from another tight end. Um, they may want another, but I, I know in talking to some around Penn State uh, that they think Michigan's a school to beat for Priestcorn as well. So, you know, a lot of do- – like there are a lot of dominoes that could fall uh, after this, and honestly, maybe not too far in the, into the future either, um, right? I mean, feels like there's a lot of guys that they're in really good position with. It may just be a matter of when and not if with some of these guys. Yeah, you mentioned a couple. Uh, I put out a piece earlier this week on Andrew Sprague. You know, he there are a couple of guys in this class that just don't talk a lot to the media, so you got to do a lot of digging to kind of figure out what's going on. Pre-scoring is one. Like, you got to go see Brady in person, which we've done, right? I went to one of his games. Bryce just went to his basketball game. That's how you get a feel for what's going on with Brady. I sense or I think the biggest competition, Ohio State and Penn State. But as I mentioned in the last one, I mean – can can Ohio State really say they have a better tight end record than Michigan? No. And when you look at Penn State, all right, they got a lot to tout. Penn State has a lot to tout with the tight end position, but none of the guys that coach their tight ends are there anymore. Hell, Kirk Campbell was is the last vestige of of the you know the tight end uh, prowess over there with that version of the offensive staff. So I think Michigan just has a lot of cards to play with Brady Prescorn, but. I think they're closer with the offensive line, and you just talked about it. I put out a piece earlier this week on Andrew Sprague, really feeling like they're trending, as you pointed out with Steve Lorenz, put, or Steve uh, Wilfong putting out a, a crystal ball. I'm very close. I want to see how this visit goes. Uh, Max Anderson, who you've talked about, yep, being yep. a guy that they're trending for. But Blake Frazier, Blake Frazier to me is a lot. If you watched last week's episode with where we talked about Aaron Childs, right? You heard Aaron Childs' dad come on. He was like, man, <laughs> Aaron was ready to – he was ready to commit right now. And I had to tell him, slow your roll, young man. We got to do our due diligence in recruiting, right? We want you to see some places. We want to make sure you have something to compare it to. We want to make sure that you are making a hasty decision, right? You know, parental guidance there. It is my, – my gut tells me that the same thing's going on with Blake Frazier. That's what my gut tells me right now. I think they are very close to Blake Frazier. And so what you start to wonder, Steve, is if one offensive line domino falls, does that make another offensive line domino fall? And then does that make another? You start to ask yourself how many they're going to take, because I do think there could be some, some not Michigan applying pressure, but the circumstance applying some pressure to maybe move up their timeline. A hundred percent, right? I mean, there's other guy, Michael Uini. The kid out of Copperas Cove, Texas, is one where we actually have moved him down and come to find out uh, there's reason to believe Michigan's either running first or second in that one. We're talking about a top 150 offensive tackle. You have Brandon Baker, the number one tackle in the country, is slated to be on campus sometime in the near future. I can't remember the exact date, but is going to be on campus in the near future. Yeah, there are only so many. You know, I think there was a – I actually just saw on the board before I got in here, um, Anna Adams now, who does our Clemson – uh, posted it's posted some intel on Clemson and every offensive line update had Michigan in there. And one of their commenters <laughs> said, is Michigan taking 10 offensive linemen this cycle or what? Right, right. But that's kind of what it, that's kind of what it feels like in covering it where, you know, it might end up being a mad scramble to, to take, to take spots that are open. Cause they, they can only take so many. 
Uh, I know we've told people on the board, on our board, uh, you know, there are going to be some, there might be a couple of really good players that Michigan could have gotten that don't end up in the class just because this is what two Joe Moore awards in a row should do for you on the recruiting trail, right? You, you may have to shut out some good players. We see, you know, talk about Ohio State. They do it at the receiver position pretty consistently. You know, they're, they're always getting really good receivers. There's good players that don't commit there. That's where Michigan feels like they're at right now on the offensive line. So, yeah, Max, I mean, I have a crystal ball in for Max Anderson, another Texas product. And, and yeah, then Andrew Sprague, I, I don't. But Blake Frazier, I do as well. And uh, also mentioned the other day, close on Guarnera, who I mentioned earlier, who projects to uh, like the true center position. You know, Sprague, a true offensive tackle. Guys like Anderson, Frazier, even Ben Roebuck, who committed a couple weeks ago. More your guys who I think they feel like they can move around. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, people are asking on the board this morning, like, could they take seven? And I was like, I don't think you can take. I don't think you can honestly fit seven guys. I mean, six would be pushing it, but it does feel like more and more like six might be a possibility with who they can get. You know, so you got to also remember Lorenzetti switched to the defensive side of the football too. That's right. So you know, so there is room. There is potential for for some room there. So. You know, either way, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, both. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Another one. So they've had two two guys uh, each of the last couple cycles that have switched over the defensive side. So I don't know if they're clearing room uh, for the for recruiting or what the deal is. But either way, yeah, you you it does get to a point where a kid who maybe is favoring Michigan heavily is going to go to bed and wonder like, hey, you know, this is it is where I want to be. Maybe I should get on the boat before the boat fills all the way up, you know? Yeah, man, so. and I'm looking very, very hard, uh, just talking about the current team in the spring game by some of these young offensive linemen because, you know, I think the offensive line has been the position where the you've had the most guys out. So there's been a great opportunity for those youngsters to really get a lot of play against some dudes. Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant was the number one pick, right? I think Brady, uh, Braden McGregor is ready to – to really break out and be a guy. So all these guys are getting real, real work. And that's been one of the things that stuck out to me this spring, despite so many uh, starters, so many of the ones being out, especially on the offensive line or projected ones being out on the offensive line. Man, there's just no concern. They, they're they just like that. We're good. <laughs> I mean, this is what, must be what it, be, what it must be like, you know, for teams that win a lot, that are playoff teams. Like, yeah, you got a couple guys go down. You just feel like it's an opportunity to get your your younger guys some run. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I want to point out a guy 
that I went to see yesterday. We'll feature him on the next Recruiting Insider. I'll have a, a long feature as well. Man, Micah Gilbert, Steve. Micah okay, Gilbert yeah. is a guy, a wide receiver from Charlotte Christian. He is 6'2 and some change, about 190 pounds. Uh, he, <laughs> you talk about Providence Day. I went, must have gone to three Providence Day games last year. Why didn't I go to that one? Because that was the game. It was the only game that Providence Day lost last year. And it was because, largely because of Micah Bell in that game. They were down by three touchdowns twice in that game. Micah Bell explodes for like three touchdowns and 190 yards receiving. And he did it all. He broke his finger like the first, you know, the first minute or two of the game and played the rest of the game with that broken finger or broken hand and didn't play the rest of the season, but played long enough in that game for them to come back from three touchdowns twice and win that game. That is a dude. And so he he had offers before that, but it really kind of kind of took off before he was more mostly a regional guy, South Carolina. Virginia Tech, North Carolina, I would still say that those teams are the teams in the best shape. But Michigan just had him on campus, blew him away, blew his family away. Now, he's, a, he's more of an upside guy because he just started playing football in high school. But it's in the bloodlines. Darrell uh, Revis is his, is his cousin. Sean Gilbert is his cousin. Mark Gilbert, who played for the Lions for a minute, is his, is his brother. There's another member of his family that played in the NFL. This dude has NFL dripping in his, you know, flowing through his veins. And Michigan did a great job of presenting to him playing big-time football, having an academic balance there, and being prepared to go for, go for the pros. So the key for them is to get him back on an OV. But if they do, Steve, this is the guy that they'll have a real shot with in this Charlotte area, Michael Gilbert. So receiver's another spot where I think we've been we've been working to try to figure out who's the other who's going to emerge as like the other major sort of target, right? We have Goodwin, Ship, uh, Gatlin Bear is a guy oh, that they, obviously right faster than what did, what did they say he's faster than uh, Roderick Pleasant last cycle? You know he beat Roderick Pleasant's so 100 yard dash or something, which is insane. Um, Amarion Stewart. Like we talked about, I mean, you have crystal balls in for Stewart and Goodwin. They could lead for Ship. They're probably running one or two for Bear. Also, I know he had a really good Nebraska visit. I feel like Nebraska's in there, uh, but yeah, they want. I know they want another. They need another six two six three yeah. guy in this class. And uh, yeah, Gilbert. I mean, is a name we've briefly discussed, but he, you know, he was, and that's another thing to, to mention for this spring. They've been very successful, more successful than last cycle for sure, in getting a lot of guys up as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about Nitro Tuggle, the kid out of uh, out of Indiana, who's really good. They had James Madison out of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who was just up uh, a week or so ago. Another like borderline. All those guys are ranked around the same 90, 91, four stars on our site. And Gilbert fits that mold as well. But you got to think, as a Charlotte kid, uh, that again maybe a Jaden Davis verbal commitment opens his eyes even more uh, to Michigan, you know, and, and got to think that Davis would, would theoretically be in his ear about it. So that's definitely that big body type though, is what they're, they're really looking for. Again, Stewart, uh, Goodwin, 
you know, not that mold. So that they, I think they want to supplement those types of guys with a couple bigger body receivers, like a Jordan ship, like a, like a Micah Gilbert, those type of guys. Yeah. Obvious connection for, for Jaden to Channing Goodwin. Right. And I mean, that kid is connected to Michigan anyway. He's a legacy. Jonathan Goodwin being his uncle here. I mean, his dad and Harold Goodwin being, being his uncle, you know, uh, Jonathan playing for Jim at, with the 49ers. I mean, it's just so much. And now you, if you know, you look around and, you see your QB one is a QB one in Michigan. That's that just helps there. But Micah Gilbert played seven on seven with, with Jaden. They are obviously tight, like, you know, Channing and Jaden, but there's a link there, a connection there that makes it feel a little more like home. He does not seem to be a guy that's, that's tied to home. I'll, I'll let you guys see for yourself, but you, you, you get to know kids or you talk to kids, you spend some time with them. We spent a lot of time with Micah Gilbert yesterday and you just know kids that just fit and have a, a sincere interest. And I think he has a sincere interest, but Michigan has to play catch up in that one. He he's had one unofficial to Michigan. He's been to South Carolina like 12 times and North Carolina, like 12 times. So there is some ground, but you, you mentioned Amarion Stewart. I think Amarion Stewart's the guy at the top. I mean, he, he's the dude and I'll go back to last spring, to the barbecue, where Marion Stewart lit it up. Lit it up, right? They put him with Jaden Davis that day. They put him with Jaden Davis that day. So it was it was Jaden, it was a Marion, it was uh, and Goodwin and Ship all together. And who knows? I mean, maybe a little bit of foresight there that they had, but clearly that was someone that Marion started looking at too. So you can just see, you get back to what we started out talking about. You get the quarterback in the class, especially one that's willing to recruit, especially one that's willing to extend himself and go the extra mile like J.J. did, like Drew Henson did back in the day, right? That can turn your class into a snowball, and I just feel like that's what Michigan is on the verge of right now, Steve. Yeah, and you got to – I mean, you know, almost – even quarterbacks who didn't, like, necessarily – pan out for the Mason blue. Like even Shane, I remember Shane Morris was a really big he was. active recruiter for Michigan. Alex Melzone was in the 2015. I remember in the 2015 class was a guy like, you know, I think as the, as the quarterback, I think you're looked at just sort of as you are on the field as sort of the leader, um, you know, and if you're, if you're Jaden Davis, if you're any quarterback committing to a school, I mean, you want to surround yourself with the best possible guys and nine times out of 10, you are the most visible member of that class so it resonates a little bit more when that that top quarterback that five-star quarterback is the one who's in your ear saying hey like you know you should come to Michigan like we can win some we can win some championships we can win some big 10 titles we can go to playoffs etc etc so yeah I mean that that's one area where yeah I think a lot of people mentioned like for last cycle uh didn't help Michigan's situation you know that they didn't really take a a true quarterback I think they think don't I, do they believe Kendrick Bell could be? Maybe, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, uh, but yeah. no, but again, they took him. They took him very late anyway. I mean, that wasn't going to make a big. Uh, there wasn't going to be any type of domino effect with that commitment. But either way, you know, I mean, yeah, it goes without saying. You know that you don't even have to be like super highly ranked as the quarterback to kind of take the lead and, and be the guy. But but to be a highly ranked guy, uh, it's it's obviously not going to hurt Michigan at all in any recruiting race that they're in to have a guy, you know, he's going to, he's going to com- announce his commitment on ESPN. I mean, this thing's, it, it's going to blow up in a big way. Uh, you know, so to have a guy like that recruiting on your behalf alongside a, a 
reinvigorated staff, it feels like in 2024, yeah. uh, you know, is, is, you know, this just feels like, I, tell me if you agree, Sam, I feel like right now heading into the spring, I mean, I, there hasn't been this much excitement around Michigan just strictly from a recruiting standpoint in, in quite a while. I mean, they've had good stretches, they've had good classes, but things just feel a little bit differently uh, than they have in the last, at least the last few years. Uh, you know, it's all that stuff is starting to come to fruition. Michigan's got two Big Ten titles. They've gone to the playoffs. They're still producing all the pros that they always have under under Jim Harbaugh. You know, it's like things are finally starting to kind of come together uh, for them. And, and it's it feels like they're on the verge of doing some really big things on the recruiting trail. All right, so let's start getting into some of the some of the comments here. I'm going to go and I know some of you've been commenting the whole time. First of all, I, I sense there's a level of uneasiness from some in this uh, in, in this episode, whether it be YouTube or Facebook. And I'm like, man, you you guys must not subscribe to us. You must not watch our our podcast or listen very often uh, because whether it's the the panic over. They haven't expanded the board. Like if you were listening to us, you shouldn't. You wouldn't have been panicking, right? That's number one. Number two, you watch it. It's like what? Is, what? Darren, Darren, Darren. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, dude. This is the guy that asked that. The guy that asked that this morning on the board. I think there was like 120 down votes on it or something. I mean, it's like the most negatively received board post that we've had in a while. So yeah, uh, man. All right, it's so, natural. To worry, I think, for some people, right? I mean, you know, they've been left at the altar before, but Listen, this feels man. a lot different. Look, I, recruiting, you always lose more than you win. You're going to have the, the recruitments that are skewing your way the whole way, and then something happens at the end. You're going to think you have a guy signed, like Najee. I mean, they had Najee's – I mean, guys are checking in to their, you know, dorm assignments – and Najee's dorm assignment is right there, right next to all, all the rest of their keys. Najee's is there. They're waiting on Najee to show up. He doesn't get on the plane. He goes to Alabama. Things happen in recruit. Nicholas Harbor. You're with Nick Harbor every step of the way. He gets a marketing team that comes in at the end, flips the recruitment. Things happen. If they happen, we tell you. If they don't happen, we tell you. <laughs> right? I mean, so come on, man. This, you know, let's let's uh Relax. Let's relax a bit and get into some of these other questions. And so Theodore Dodge, he says, Underwood or Cutter Bowley in 25? I think this is actually pretty academic. I think it's Cutter Bowley, not because of talent, but because I think Underwood, I think Bryce is strongly affected by what happens in front of him. So schools that get a 24 quarterback, a highly regarded 24 quarterback, are going to take a backseat with Bryce. Now that doesn't mean if you're Michigan, you stop recruiting him. Like you, uh, we went into this last week, right, Steve, in the day and age of the portal and day and age of a long recruiting cycle where coaches can come and go. You just never know how recruiting circumstances change. Maybe his criteria changes. And then down the line, he doesn't care who's in front of him. So you keep recruiting him, but for the here and now you get a 24, five star. It's going to hurt you with Bryce Underwood, but I haven't since, the same thing being the case with Cutter Bowley. Not yet, no. Um, isn't I think Underwood's going to be at the spring game tomorrow, isn't he? He's supposed to be. So we might know pretty quickly <laughs> right. the impact that uh, a Davis commitment would have on that recruitment, right? I mean, what would what would the difference be 
tomorrow versus a couple months from now. I mean, I got to think, though, if there's one thing, Michigan's got to have an angle that they're going to play. I mean, Underwood's way too talented. They've done enough to get back in it in the first place. Uh, They have to have some kind of, you know, it won't be be easy, right? We know that. I mean, he's got everybody after him, uh, everybody. This is not a regional recruitment. This is a 100% national recruitment for Bryce Underwood. Uh, yeah, but with Cutter Bowley, I think uh, another George McIntyre will be on campus tomorrow as well. For He's another big-time 2025 quarterback. Uh, yeah, they have, like, I think we joked that they've had hosted more quarterback offers and targets in the last month than they had in the Kurt last Cam- five years. Kurt yeah, Campbell, no, Kurt Campbell, like, really Dude. turning it around yeah, in that yeah. regard. Hey, so but I, That's why I say different different coach, different coach, different approach. Uh, and you see it being put to the uh, to the fore. Go back through this. Zion Badwin, laugh like that's my favorite player in any sport ever. That's probably why. I watch more Isaiah Thomas than I have anyone ever. That's probably why. I, probably it happened through osmosis, uh, like inadvertently. <laughs> you know, he had that influence on me. Uh, keep moving on. We have a couple of more here. You talked about this, Steve. So they go out and they get Jordan Marshall. And Tatum's still on the board. And Michigan is going to be in a position where they got to replenish that, that running back room, right? Absolutely. Uh, it really, you know, it'll come down to if one of the guys in front of them can can develop. But we haven't seen it yet. So there's un- there's enough uncertainty there for Mike Hart and, and Michigan to, to really say there is an opportunity for 24s to come in right away and make an impact. And running back's a spot. Uh, it's not even, it's not even, uh, it's not uncommon at all anymore to see guys come in and play and make an impact right away. Right. So it's not, uh, not like offensive line in most cases where you got to maybe, you know, it takes a little bit of development. You got to wait your turn at running back uh, the talent. If you're talented enough, uh, especially running behind an offensive line, like what Michigan's going to be putting out for the foreseeable future, you know, you talk about, yeah, Tatum being Taylor Tatum's only crystal ball right now is from, for Michigan. Uh, from our Texas insider, Mike Roach, that's, you know, and I think we thought, I think we joked that uh, of that photo we talked about earlier with the four is that we thought Jordan Marshall would be the last of that four right. to potentially commit if he was going to choose Michigan. Now he's, he was the first one. So, you know, also the other thing too, with running back, it's not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. I don't think guys are like, you know, knocking the door down to be a 30 carry a game guy. I think you can do enough and get the ball enough and split carries and keep yourself fresh for the next level, uh, you know, by, by running in sort of a committee type deal. It has, it's not going to hurt Donovan Edwards next year in the, it, for his NFL draft prospects, you know, with him and Blake Corum splitting carries again this season, it's not going to hurt him at all. You know, I think Michigan would like to, they like running at least two, if not three backs consistently. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think Marshall's Marshall being on board first is, is probably to me, I thought was better than, if they had were able to somehow were able to get Tatum first, because I feel like Marshall may have gravitated more towards Ohio State. Now with Marshall on board, I think Michigan's in position to uh, you know keep it going with Tatum. We'll see. But there's other guys too. You got Darian Dupree out of Chicago had a great visit to Michigan. Harry Stewart out of Frisco, Texas is another one. I mean, they, that's another you know kind of repeating ourselves, but it's another area where they have a lot of guys that feel like they're in really good position for um, and maybe. Maybe first come, first serve. We'll see there. Yeah. But but Tatum, definitely the top guy. All right. So Haji1954 says, Sam, Steve, your thoughts on defensive line recruiting. 
you know, we spent a lot of time on, on some guys. We spent a lot of time on Brian Robinson, for instance, who crystal balls everywhere for him, right? Uh, they they say Michigan right now, and rightfully so. Um, I like – I still think Michigan uh, has a good shot at Marquise Lightfoot. So uh, that's one to keep an eye on. But Darian Mayo just came to campus, Steve. That's one that it feels like Michigan is going to have a better chance at. And then one we haven't talked about on the uh, on the podcast before is, uh, at least at length, is Jordan Thomas out of Don Bosco in, in New Jersey. And with Chris Partridge back, I mean, that kid made it to campus. Uh, he had, you know, members of his circle on campus with him as well. People that and, – and I think the, the Bosco coach – Steve, uh, Chris, is, uh, CP is really tight with. Like, you got some connections there, and you're always going to have a shot at Jersey guys with CP back around. I think that's what put Michigan right back, put Michigan back in this one was Chris Partridge. I think Michigan also did really well with him, and I think they're probably in the top three or four right now. I think the one thing with Thomas is the uh, it feels like the other schools he's really – taking a close look at are, are the SEC-type programs. I know Georgia, he he looks on film and just physically looks like a guy that would play at Georgia. You know how Georgia's always seems like they get like two or three of those types of big 6'4", 6'5", 300-pound guys in the middle, uh, you know, every cycle. He kind of looks like an SEC-style defensive lineman. There are a couple of guys I think we mentioned over past cycles that are, are similar. But, yeah, no, Partridge really kind of changed the game here. I agree on on Marquise Lightfoot. I actually I think him and Darian Mayo are the most gettable top top guys mm-hmm. for Michigan. They're they're still in it for Dylan Stewart. They're going to try with Elijah Rushing. The other five the five star out of Arizona. Uh, but of the guys they really 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 want, uh, it feels like Mayo and uh, Marquise Lightfoot are the are the are the guys that they are really going to have the best shot with. I mean. Lightfoot's recruitment's gone really national as well. I know yeah, Michigan was one. That it has, right? I mean, remember when we first interviewed him, it was like Michigan was like his fifth or sixth offer, I want to say. Now I just, he just got offered by Texas yesterday. Um, you know, he's got USC. He's got Ohio State. I mean, he's got a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, that's another area, Chicago area, where Sharon Moore, Michigan, Mike Elston have done a really good job in. So, you know, they're going to have a great shot there. And then and then Mayo, you know, had a good counsel. We, Michigan leads for Aaron Childs. Got to think that'll help their case there. But he's uh, just independently, he had a great visit on his own as well. Yeah, very strong lead for for Mayo. And so you think that's going to help him with all of the the uh, the good council guys. I mean, a guy that we didn't mention that's going to be making his way to, to campus pretty soon, uh, getting back to receivers. You might you might have mentioned him, Steve, but um, Elijah Moore is is one that, you know, you you think about the opportunity to to really get in, get a foothold in the school. Uh, and that's a guy that, you know, Michigan is sort of hovering for. And I could really see them making a move with uh, once he, uh, you know, once they get in deeper with him, getting them on campus. Another one, right? You know, we talk about receive who's going to be that other guy. I think Elijah Moore fits that mold perfectly. I think he's a legit 6'3 or 6'4". Uh, Josh Jackson out of Louisiana is another one that was on campus recently, mm-hmm. a three-star out of St. Augustine. Uh, I think we're uh, – is that where Leroy Hoard went? I don't somebody know. Went to say, he went somebody to, went to St. Augustine yeah, in Louisiana. I don't know if that's where Leroy went to school. but 
I know that's where Leonard. I know that's where Leonard Fournette went for sure. But that's you know neither neither here nor there. But but yeah, I mean Elijah Moore, another guy where uh, you know that's the value of getting all your top guys on campus. Is now Michigan can go back and look at these guys that they've hosted and say, okay, which of these guys do we like the most? Which one are we going to make the big push at? And uh, oh my god! All right, I saw that spot pop on my screen. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, but yeah. So I, uh, you know, they they're going to have a lot of options there, and more is another one where you know guys could uh, could emerge as sort of that top target alongside the the major ones that we've talked about. Yeah, man, it's it's right. look, it's fun to interact yeah. with the people, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you you come here to get some info, to get some intel for us to. To, to guide your feelings we're got here we are guiding your feelings and you aren't letting us guide your feelings like come on man you know get with the program relax get fired up get excited about uh you know where things seem to be heading as far as michigan recruiting is concerned in the uh in the 24 cycle and this is what we thought to to revisit another conversation we had this is what we thought it would be like coming off of a playoff appearance now twice and this is the other thing that we need to highlight that maybe we didn't get into enough. This recruiting staff is on another level. They seem to be deploying Denard different and better, right? CP comes in, you know, he's, he's a, a step up in that regard, as is Kirk Campbell. And so you add it all up, Steve, and it feels like you, you have a recruiting staff that, that matches the coaching prowess now. Like you can't just you can't just have one. If you're gonna be at the top of the of the mountain, you gotta be killers in both. You gotta be a killer on the field, you gotta be a killer on the recruiting trail. And I feel like this is the 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 proper battle, the best balance we've seen Michigan have in some time, if not for the entirety of the hardball era. I think top to bottom, it's hard to say this isn't their best recruiting staff, right? I mean, Partridge, former national recruiter of the year for twenty four seven sports when he was at Michigan. Uh, Steve Klinkscale, a guy you can throw anywhere. Sharon Moore, also I almost won National Recruiter of the Year. Uh, what was it? The ninth, whatever cycle Dax Hill was in, uh, almost won National Recruiter of the Year. Mike Elston seems to score on a lot of his top targets as well. Uh, casts a nice wide net of prospects. Uh, Mike Hart's already gotten his top target this cycle in Jordan Marshall and is in, like I said, like you said, crystal ball for the other one in Taylor Tatum in Michigan's favor. Uh, you know, Jay Harbaugh, obviously another, you know, one that never gets enough credit for what he does. And then like we mentioned, Ron Bellamy as well, being involved in the Jane Davis recruitment. I think he's the area guy in Charlotte for the most part. And is a guy that's been down there as much as anybody. Uh, and again, we just talked about five, six, what, eight receivers that Michigan um, either lead or like are, has hosted or, you know, possibly leading for. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, and yeah, well, the Kirk Campbell thing, we've, we talked about that uh, quite a bit, the upgrade they made in the recruiting side of things in that, in that regard. So, you know, it is from, from top to bottom, it just feels like Michigan's most aggressive and passionate staff. Half of the battle in recruiting at the college level is passionate, uh, is passion based. I mean, you got to, want to recruit because it's a huge part of the job. And uh, yeah, it just feels like Michigan's got a lot of guys now that, that are willing to go grind and willing to go to bat, not just at their own position, but you know, for any kid that Michigan's looking to get. Yeah. So this is, this is obviously uh, the Jaden Davis episode, but 
I mean, a co a co bill, if you will, the Steve Lorenz episode. Because Robert Rady says, it's good to see Steve. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's good to see Steve Lorenz, man. So so the so the cat, you know, I usually let the the kitten is kind of a pain in the butt. I usually, you know, she's been good. She hasn't even come in here actually, but um she tends to want to crawl see, on the keyboard and stuff people, like that. People need to take their cues from your cat, Steve. The the ones that are in this in this uh episode yeah, no. and they're like, Oh my god, what if this goes the wrong way? Yeah, oh my no, god. They, what what if he they, picks it up? It's like relax like go, Steve's cat, please. They can go sit yeah, go get on it, go in the other room. Yeah, no. All right. Well, here's one. I, I'm sorry for not getting to this question sooner. Seth Floyd said, "What about Justin Scott? I wish I could give you reason, reason for optimism there, Steve. I just think that is a huge hill to climb for Michigan at this point." No, that one turned into a weird one. I mean, it looked like he was going to commit to Notre Dame, and then they had a weird visit there. So it was like then things were open again, but now it kind of looks like it might be Notre Dame again. Uh, I know Georgia and Ohio State have been mentioned too. Uh, that one feels like one that might go back and forth uh, quite a few times before a decision is made. And, and history says those guys do not end up at Michigan. So um, great player. I think I think I saw Allen's write-up. He's the highest-ranked D-tackle in the Midwest in like 10 years or something. I mean, he's a, a, a unicorn in that regard. I mean, you don't see guys in the Midwest that are, you know, that the beasts uh, up front in the middle. So great player. But, yeah, I don't see him end up at Michigan. Hey, Ruth, we love you. John Green, hey, love you as well. See, John gets it. He said, it feels like Christmas morning, almost here. There you go. Uh, you, you go down and you know you're going to get a gift on Christmas, right? I mean, there you go, John. That's how, you're supposed to, that's how you're supposed to be at a time like this, especially when Michigan has done so well uh, with this recruiting through the twists and turns of this particular recruitment. So, listen, folks. The folks are, are dialing in, are filing in to the announcement. Uh, if you want to watch it live, we cannot carry it live. I would have, of course, but ESPN has an exclusive on airing it live, so you can watch it at 1.30. But, hey, you might want to stick around your computer. There's going to be plenty of things to look at over on the MichiganInsider.com. If you aren't already a member, now is the time to get signed up. 50% off an annual subscription, and it's even open to you monthlies who've been saying, what are you going to do for us? Well, this is it. You can upgrade from monthly to an annual for 50% off, so it's open to you as well. If you like watching us on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. You'll get a notification every time we do another video. And then, of course, over on the podcast page, like the podcast, subscribe. Tell all your friends about it so they know where to find us. That is how you can support the show and keep us growing, keep us growing, and keep us doing what we do. So. We're going to sign off. Be sure to check out the announcement and all the coverage that's coming. Who knows? We might go live again a little bit later. I'm just saying. Even if we don't go live, we might have some more videos for you a little bit later. So just stay tuned to the Michigan Insider. Steve, great to see you, buddy. And I'll be checking in with you in a couple hours or so, all right? Sounds good, Sam. All right. To the rest of you, we'll see you over at MichiganInsider.com. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. All right. No, we'll maybe see you in a couple hours. There you go. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future.
future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.